Hello, hello. I'm Kate. Hello, hello. I'm Allison. And we are the Itty Bitty Wedding Committee. Yay! We are excited to be back. You know what's funny? So I listened to Haley Page's podcast, All That Glitters, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, And she also says hello, hello. And I just want to let the world know that we did not steal that. (laughs) There There are only so many greetings in the world. We had to go with something. I just thought it was so funny. I was like, did she just say hello, hello? Oh my God. (laughs) I know. And what's weird in real life, I don't ever say hello, hello. I just, I think, yeah, we started doing it and then it stuck. It's a nice, warm podcast welcome. Yeah. I feel like it's a nice way to kill a little time while we're getting our heads together. (laughs) Yeah. But I thought it was such a funny coincidence. Well, you do aim to be exactly like Haley Page in all things. I love so. her. She's awesome. <laughs> I know she has a she has a really cute dog. I've seen that. I don't yeah, follow Winnie Page. Oh my god! Of She's course so you cute. know. <laughs> He's so cute, and it's funny because the last it was I did like a, a binge of her episodes because I had some catching up to do, and there was an episode where you could hear Winnie like snoring in the background. Aww. It was the cutest thing ever. Oh, that like, is really cute. She's catching a good nap. <laughs> I love snoring pets. We have a lot of different categories of noises that the dogs yeah. make. We have squeaks, snorfs, squonks, uh sneezes which are a step above snorfs which are happy little sneezes mm-hmm. I, there are a lot of sounds it's mostly the sneezes it's adorable it's so cute when cats sneeze i love it I'm so much i'm just like oh do you have allergies what's happening oh it is really really cute i love I'm it just hoping just... she didn't like stick her little nose in something that she wasn't supposed to oh it's like oh please don't maybe have to take you to the vet <laughs> yeah but the results are adorable yeah it's so cute i should record her next time she sneezes oh please Send it to me. Yeah, her little head like goes forward like every time she sneezes. Oh, <laughs> it's like the opposite of the people who scream when they sneeze. It's just oh the cutest God. little thing. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I scream sneeze. Really? Oh, I hold them like, in. Really aggressive. If I'm in public, especially since the pandemic, I just completely hold my sneezes in. So yeah. you hardly even know I'm sneezing. Or I'll just like sneeze in my mask, which is kind of gross, but it's fine. Eh, you know, I already talked about how I get a runny nose in my mask when it's cold. So <laughs> you're in a really good, nasty company. Yeah. <laughs> but really, you have to sneeze in your mask. Like the people yeah, who take I'm their mask. take it off to right. sneeze. Right. That's the whole point. Like you cough and sneeze into your mask. Deal with it. Yeah. Nobody else needs to. <laughs> so, all right. Today we are doing guest list and I'm this was excited. yeah this one was a request by one of our past brides and current team members georgie whose anniversary Shout out to georgie hello uh her anniversary and geo hi geo uh just happened and happy anniversary she, hooray first anniversary it's a big yeah one. they uh they've been listening to the podcast and one of the things we talked about was some ideas georgie had for episodes and she said well why don't you do one all about the guest list and everything surrounding that so we're going to talk a lot about how to figure out what your guest list should be how Mm -hmm. we can figure out about the capacity and about kids and how many people may or may not attend and just all the little quirks surrounding that so it'll have a little bit of overlap with invitation etiquette but it won't be really focused on the invitation so it won't specifically be about wording or invitation design things like that it's more just all right how do you figure out the guest list and how do you manage all of those people yeah especially in the age of COVID when you really need to be able to communicate quickly. 
Uh, first things first, we had talked about um, just some of the considerations you might have when you're narrowing it down. So Allison, what do you think a first step is when you're starting to think about who you'd have at your wedding? Um, I always suggest kind of like an inside out method is kind of how I phrase it in my mind. I know it sounds kind of funky, um, but basically you start from like your most immediate like friends, most immediate family, and then you kind of work outwards through your social circles of figuring out like who makes sense to invite and who not. Um, I always like to tell people, you know, some people go into it with the mindset that they have to invite every single person that they know. That is not the case. The person who delivers your mail, as wonderful as they may be, does not necessarily need to be invited to your wedding unless they happen to be like your BFF or something like that. But just like invite who makes sense to invite and, you know, try not to force it too much, you know, trying to figure out like, okay, does this person make sense or not? And really follow your gut. Um, because it's like, if, I mean, it's kind of a weird rule, but it's like, I always say like, if they don't like immediately come to mind when you think of like the people that you have to have in the room, like on your wedding day, when you're getting married, then maybe they don't necessarily need to make the, the list or maybe at least not, you know, the quote unquote first round list, which we'll get to in a second. Yes. Um, but yeah, I would say think about your nearest and dearest and then work your way outwards from there. And one, there are a couple of things I think you should consider with that because that's the goal, that's the ideal, but there mm -hmm. are um, sometimes certain cultural concerns with how big your wedding should be. And there mm -hmm. can also be a lot of family concerns if parents are hosting or if they just want to be more involved, they might say, well, I want to be able to invite a ton of my friends and a ton yeah. of my colleagues. And especially mm -hmm. um, what I've seen is usually when a parent is more prominent in whatever the field say, is. If it's like a high profile wedding. Mm -hmm. Yes. Then they're going to really want to have a say in the guest list. And that's when the guest list can expand. So think not only about the specific names and start keeping a list of those, but really think about the ranges you would accept. And that isn't only in terms of a compromise of family, that might also mm -hmm. be because of the limitations of your dream venue. So mm -hmm. think about, all right, what would the absolute mask, max capacity be if everybody got their way? What is mm -hmm. the absolute lowest we'd be willing or able to go? And what are kind of the the considerations in between those two numbers, like where do we ultimately want to hit yeah. and what do we think is realistic that will keep everybody happy? Oh, yeah. I think I heard a car alarm or something. Did you hear that? Yeah, it was in the background. <laughs> um, you know, what's going to keep everybody happy? So start to write down the list. If it's easier for you, I, I love putting things in Excel, in an yeah. Excel spreadsheet. It's just mm -hmm. the way to go. You'll also definitely want to think about are we inviting kids? Are we giving everybody a plus one? Yeah. So Ooh, before we get to plus ones and kids, I wanted to, um, you brought up a really good point about the venue capacity. Um, I have definitely worked with couples before where they're, I'll ask, you know, you know, how many people are you thinking? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're planning to have 200 but we're going to be inviting 350 and the max for the capacity is like 250 and it's like that's not always the best way to go about things because you have to plan worst case scenario what if everybody that you invite what if they can all come or what if a max majority of them can come and then it's like you have 300 
person guest list for a venue that could only hold 250. So never overshoot it so much where you're exceeding the act, the max capacity of your venue, because you could very well find yourself in a situation where you have more people than what your venue can accommodate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. With I don't that. know if you've ever heard that, but I've definitely had people tell me, oh yeah, we have X amount, but we're inviting two times this amount of people. And you're just like, don't do that. I So <laughs> when couples are talking to me about their guest list, I do frequently have people who either overestimate how many people mm-hmm. will decline or they mm-hmm. overestimate how many people will accept. And there are a few things that I always talk with them about. And I think we'll get a little more into that when we figure out, you know, how to address things and how to get things sent out. But attrition can vary from guest list to guest list. If you have a lot of international people, that could be different. If you have a lot of kind of C-list type people, that could be different because they might not Mm -hmm. make the effort if they have to travel cross country. But if a lot of people are local, if a lot of people are very close to you, if your family has a habit of showing up all the time and there are 60 of them, stuff like that makes a difference. So definitely consider that. And um, yeah, I think one of the things to consider there too is the budgeting. So your Mm -hmm. guest list will definitely have a huge, huge impact on your budget and on which venues you can choose, which also impacts the budget. Mm -hmm. I, um, if you're working with a venue that can host 300, that venue might naturally have higher costs associated with it than one that can host up to 100, which will probably be a lot cheaper. Right. With kids and plus ones too, those make a huge difference. So think about if you want to have kids there and think about kind of what those cutoffs for kids might be, whether that's ages, like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you don't want a five-year-old, but a 12-year-old is different. And maybe there are 40 kids that could attend and that might attend, but you really only want <laughs> your nieces and nephews there or right. something like that. Or you, you only want my them. Face, but kids have kids and my eyes got real big. <laughs> Maybe you only want them at ceremony and not at the reception. So there are a few things to consider there. And again, that's something you'll need to take into account, not just with your own preferences, but probably with family. So not the entire family. Don't loop every single cousin in on the decision, but talk to parents on both sides about it and whoever's hosting, because if they have a different opinion than you, you might need to take that into account. And this is all stuff that is good to know earlier on so you don't inadvertently tell people the wrong thing and then have them get upset later when you change it. Exactly, exactly. Um, Plus ones. I feel like that's always like a hard thing for people to navigate sometimes because it's like, okay, how do you determine if someone gets a plus one or not? Obviously, it's easier if you know it's a couple and they're married or they're engaged or they've been together for X amount of time. So it's like situations like that It seem, might seem a little bit more straightforward. But then it's like, how do you determine if it's a person who, you know, is dating someone, but they've only been together for, you know, two months. And it's like, does that person get a plus one or not? Like, you know what I mean? I think the biggest difference is, will the person who doesn't get a plus one actually feel comfortable at the event without bringing somebody? So no matter what, if someone is in a known committed relationship, you need to invite their plus one, period. Mm -hmm. You need to. You can't blow off a known partner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If someone is traveling, I would 
absolutely recommend giving them a plus one if at all possible. The only exception to that would be if they know a ton of other people there. So if they are a cousin and you have 20 other cousins they know, if they are part of your college friend group and their best friends are all also attending, maybe you don't give them a plus one. And right. really a plus one isn't that date, that known partner, because right. those people come as a team. The right. plus one is someone who doesn't have a name known necessarily when you invite them and you write and guest and that person gets a guest and that guest right. might end up being a Tinder date. So you need to decide. Be if, prepared for that. Yes. So you need to decide, <laughs> is this person going to be upset or uncomfortable somehow if they don't have the option to bring a guest of their choice or will yeah. they know enough people there? Will they feel respected enough in other ways that that's okay? Yeah. Or and plus one doesn't always have to necessarily be someone they're dating. It could also be a friend too. I've definitely been a friend plus one to some other friends who've been invited to weddings and they're like, Hey, like, can you come with me to this? And I'm like, sure. sure. Um, but I guess it, you know, it really just depends, like you said, on those kind of like social dynamics of the guest list. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I think, I think the criteria for me is would you be upset if this person did bring a Tinder date? Because Mm -hmm. you're, opening it up to that and that is what you're allowing and inviting if somebody gets a plus one it might not be the date you wanted but you gave the person a plus one so are you cool with that are you cool with having a random person there yeah and And there's a very good chance that they might not even bring somebody even if you do there is a plus one there is a lot of people will still not bring a plus one but Mm -hmm. again you know if they do Yeah, if they do, you need to be prepared for that. So um, if it's a super intimate wedding, you're probably a lot likely, a lot less likely to give out a lot of those. Right, right. Um, Kids, uh, I feel like you touched on a lot of good points with kids. Um, Like you said, factoring in like the age, like, do you want to have an age cut off? Like, especially if it's like a close knit family where it's like everyone has a lot of kids, like, you know, kind of narrowing down that list. I feel like, would you say, Kate, that it's appropriate to even, like, if you're unsure while you're making your guest list to, like, reach out to the couple and and either give them an option or ask them, like, hey, were you planning on bringing your children or something like that? Or is that, like, a weird thing to do? I don't think that's a good idea. I think you really need to make it a decision from above. So mm-hmm. you need to make that call. And if you aren't sure that kids will be allowed, you can tell people, we're not sure, we're figuring it out. It'll probably yeah. be based on capacity. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to tell people, well, we don't like kids. We think they're annoying. We don't like yeah. kids. They get in the way. <laughs> you don't need to say that. I just There's I mean, nicer ways to yes. say that. <laughs> I, I personally love kids at weddings and mm-hmm. I think they're fun. But again, when you're trying to keep the capacity down in a tight space or it's just Mm -hmm. not your vibe, then I totally get why you wouldn't have them. So you really will want to consider 100% before you send any mailed save the dates or invitations, whether or not the kids will be included. Right. And uh, you'll, you'll want to be prepared to answer those questions tactfully and put that information on your wedding website. And mm-hmm. um, just moving on to what to do when people are being informed they're invited to your wedding. So you've figured out the guest list. Maybe you have several different tiers of people. You have an A list, a B list, a C list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, you'll want to consider how to address everybody. And that will also help to clarify things. So like we said before, you can say, so-and-so and and guest. That means they Mm -hmm. do get a guest of their choice if they want. Uh, You can, if you say something like, 
the so-and-so family. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's Mm -hmm. broad. So if you're saying that, (laughs) you're going to want to either put the names on a different line, the specific Mm -hmm. names, or you're going to want a place in the RSVP card where every specific name of a person invited is written in, probably by you, so there's no confusion. Or you can simply not say the so-and-so family. You can be more formal with the addressing, list people by their titles, put the kids' names on a second line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that really helps as well. Again, and it eliminates gonna... the confusion from the guest's perspective. Yes. Too. I like really over communicating whenever possible. Yes. Uh, I don't think that I want to get too deep into invitation wording and etiquette right. because that's a whole different episode in itself, but you will want to clarify at some point, preferably early on and consistently throughout which specific person in any family group or friend group is invited. Um, you also can, if you're not providing childcare, for example, put information on your wedding website about that and let people know what the options are so they're not trying to still pressure you into bringing their children yeah. if you didn't invite their children. So mm-hmm. try to line up other good options for them. Yeah, exactly. One thing, Allison, I know, I think we've talked about this, but when you get those A, B, C, D, E, whatever lists. My God, if you go past C, that stresses me out. Honestly, I think more and more people will because of COVID because you need to have, okay, what's my, for the backup plan, what are my 10 people? If I can only have 10, what are my 50? What are my hundred? So you Mm -hmm. might need to have all of that figured out. Yeah. One thing you don't want to do, and we'll just talk about an ideal guest list and an ideal scenario for the pandemic. Say you want a 200 person wedding and you're inviting 220. That's safe. That's healthy. That's comfortable. If you're doing that, and you have 300 ideal people to invite, this is a very obvious example just to drive the point home, do not send save the dates. Do not get addresses and things like that for the people you are not sure you will invite until you learn a little more. Do not give people the impression they're going to be invited even by collecting their address if you're not sure. Ooh, can we just talk about for a second um, while we're talking about lists and invitations? Um, from a guest perspective, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I don't think that it's very polite for a person to reach out to the couple and ask if they're invited to the wedding. Yes. I just think that that's a big faux pas. And then it puts the couple in a weird position. Um, so it's like, if you know that a friend of yours is planning a wedding, um, until you get that invitation in the mail with your name on it, that says, Hey, we want you to come to our wedding. Um, don't make it weird. Don't reach out to them and ask them, Hey, where's my invitation? Don't ask them, Hey, am I invited? Don't ask them, Hey, can like, am I going to get a plus one? Just, you know, etiquette, you know, wait till you get that invitation in the mail. Um, and if you don't get invitation in the mail, um, just be, be gracious about it. Yeah. And it's, it's very likely not about you. It's probably, They, again, I deal with this with all of my couples talking about how many people we're going to have. And so much of it is based on the venue and based on the budget. So if you're not invited, really, it might, it very likely has nothing to do with how close you are to the couple. It's just, there's so much that they have to think about. Uh, And Allison. And I feel like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say really quickly, like, and I feel like people forget the investment part of it when they think about weddings like it is like it might be free for you to attend but always keep in mind you know the couple there there's an expense associated with it and you know they do have to pay anywhere from you know 
90 plus plus per plate. Oh, so no, it's so like, much higher. Eh, it well, not is. not for catering, but for yeah. when you consider all the other costs associated. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, just in totally. general numbers. Like, totally. I'm not trying to specifically ballpark. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the couple are paying a per-person cost for each person that's walking, setting foot in that venue. So, you know, keep that in mind. And, you know, it's not a free-for-all for them. Like, they're, you know, they have to pay for this. So just be very gracious and, you know, don't be rude or you know, express hurt feelings towards the couple if you don't make the guest list. Because like Kate said, like it might not necessarily be about how they feel about you personally. It just might be, you know, that they couldn't afford that 201 person, you know, like that extra person, you know. Mm -hmm. And that if they had invited you as an extra person, you feel like Mm -hmm. you're only you, but maybe that opens the floodgates to a whole other category of people that they decided they would need to cut. So yeah. And Allison, I couldn't agree more about um, not asking people if you're invited. Really, you should be getting a save the date. And then if you don't get your invitation, that's the only time I would ask. So if you did get a save the date, and if it's however long before the wedding, five, six weeks before the wedding, and you didn't get your invitation yet, and you do know you're invited, ask ask um if maybe your invitation got lost in the mail yeah, so again sometimes not, that happens mail yeah. service isn't always perfect <laughs> and exactly but what you don't want to do is put the couple in this really uncomfortable position right. and on the flip side if you are the couple don't you dare send to save the date and then cut somebody later it is not allowed don't do yeah. it yeah, don't do it that, that's just like a weird thing to do oh it's the worst thing to do it is so tacky you can't do it you really can't you got to find a way not to Yeah. Um, One thing that I wanted to transition to, too, is just kind of digging a little bit deeper into dealing with parents, like when parents have their own list. Um, I know you touched on it a little bit when you said, you know, in situations where, you know, it's when the parents are like a prominent figure or it's kind of like a high profile wedding where, you know, the parents will invite colleagues and things like that. Um, But if that's not the case and your parents just have their own extra list, try not to freak out. A lot of times there is overlap between the parents list and your list. And then, you know, if there's people that aren't on your list that your parents have, you know, just kind of have that conversation and say, okay, you know, what is the reasoning or, you know, why do you feel like this person needs to be on the list if it's someone that you're like not sure about? And I would say the the best way to compromise isn't to pick apart their list. It's to say, we went through it. It looks like each set of parents or there could be more than two sets of parents. There could be less, but Mm -hmm. you'll want to consider everyone's feelings that everyone has to be on the same page about this and to say, how about we limit your list to 10 extra people or however many. I think giving them the agency to choose who makes their list, but also setting a reasonable limit to how many people and 10 is just an example. Mm -hmm. That'll be really helpful for you in managing feelings across the board. So your parents feel like they get a say any, like your partner's parents get a say, or maybe there are step parents involved and the list Mm -hmm. can keep expanding. So really have that conversation with them early on about, all right, if we end up at a hundred person venue, how many people will they get to bring? Right. Right. Uh, For the pandemic, too, I think 
we really need to consider, like I said, that uh, smaller list in case things need to get more intimate on short notice. And on the short notice front, you really, really want to start collecting email addresses. This is something I already saw a lot of couples doing. Just put it right into your guest spreadsheet in a new column. Collect the email addresses because if you want to communicate with people quickly or communicate with them through your website, nothing is more helpful than having that. Mm -hmm. And even having phone numbers. What if there's a quick change day of? You'll really want to be able to connect with people as uh, quickly and efficiently as possible. Yeah, Allison, that's a good point. What are your thoughts on the wedding website and how to manage guests through the wedding website? Um, I feel like it depends on the platform that's hosting the said site. Um, I think, I think if you do your guest list management on the Knots website, I think that the Knot has like a guest list slash RSVP management aspect to it. So I feel like if the site that you're using for your wedding website has that option, I think it's a great way to just, you know, manage everything all in one place. Um, and I think even if you can't, like, even if your wedding website doesn't have that guest list management option, um, just having that wedding website for people to access as kind of like a landing page for just any information and updates that you have for your wedding, um, that's super important too. So I would say it never hurts to have one. Um, not everyone may access it. You might have older members that are like, I don't own a computer and it's fine. Like, <laughs> that's okay. But I think for the majority of your guests that are, you know, technologically savvy, they'll appreciate having a wedding website to reference. Yeah, I think when you're doing a wedding website and you're using it not only to inform people about the basics, mm -hmm. but to have any level of guest list management, and that doesn't need to be the nod, it can be Zola, it can be Joy, mm -hmm. it can be a privately hosted site, it can be any number of platforms, you're going to want to have a password associated with it so random mm -hmm. people can't get into the site. And this might be linked to a specific email address. It, it, there can be any number of management tools, but you do want to make sure that you keep this private, that you mm -hmm. limit the number of RSVPs and write-ins per person, just like you would on a standard RSVP card, right. and that you have all the relevant information provided to people. So if you are going to be giving out the wedding website for RSVPs, still have that included in the RSVP insert direct mm -hmm. people to the site. I recommend doing a paper option, at least for the people you think might not use the website. Yeah. And also just from an etiquette perspective, I understand the need to be sustainable, but some people really do appreciate having a mailed paper piece. And when you direct them to the site, make sure you remember to give them the password. <laughs> I, yeah. have, I have seen that happen where we send out a save the date or a couple sends out a save the date and they didn't include their website password or they changed the URL and forgot to put it in the web, uh, in the save the date. So keep it consistent. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've also seen that I think is really important when I am tracking a guest list, I use an online interactive spreadsheet. I use Google Drive. I use Excel mm -hmm. on I Google. Google Drive. Yes. And that's really important because you want one central location where the guest list is the absolute most updated it can be that everybody can access, whether it's just you and your partner who have different computers or parents who might be helping you track RSVPs or your planner or your stationer. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that list is always updated and you don't have a lot of different files floating around. So make sure that you're keeping that online interactive one and giving people the capability to edit when they need it. Mm -hmm. And when you do send out the spreadsheet in a hard, not a hard copy, but 
in an actual downloaded file just consistently re-up it with whatever the latest version is in that online document so you don't accidentally miss anything yeah um one thing that i wanted to um circle back on that you brought up is the wedding including the wedding website on the rsvp um so i feel like not a lot of people think to have a wedding website set up by the time they send out rsvps um some people they will set it up before the invitations go out um, so I think that that's a really proactive step if you can kind of set up your preliminary wedding website before you send out the um, save the dates and just have that kind of set up already. I think that'll save you a lot of time and um, kind of get you organized a little bit earlier on instead of waiting until um, the invitations go out. Exactly. Once I have a venue and a date selected for my couples, I encourage us to start working on our website. And they don't need to have everything on there. Maybe they don't right. have the engagement photos or they don't know all of the specifics of weekend events, mm -hmm. but at least they can say, hey, this information is coming. And you really, more than anything, just want to give people the URL of the website so they can periodically check in. Right. And I think another thing having to do with the website is just putting it on the save the dates, like you said, is a really good idea. And then making sure it has current information updated because you yes. don't want to confuse people if you said the rehearsal dinner is at a spot that you had thought about, but now it's not. And you want to make sure you use your um, private functions for, <laughs> that sounded really weird, but there are functions <laughs> to make things private. Yeah. Uh, so if someone isn't invited to the rehearsal and the rehearsal dinner, they wouldn't access that information. And right. that isn't just to avoid confusion with who shows up, but it's also so guests don't feel uncomfortable wondering if they're supposed to be seeing that and thinking, right. oh, was I invited? Am I supposed to go to that? Right. Right. Exactly. So it's it's good for everybody to kind of be able to limit that information and personalize and <laughs> private functions. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I think that's so funny? That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so diplomatic though. It's like the, it's like a very gentle way of referring to gross stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, with the RSVPs, one thing we didn't touch on was meals. And I think Ooh, that, yes, that's important. Yeah. So you definitely want to make sure that you're giving people the option to select their meal if that's what is going to be needed. And that doesn't need to be, all right, we're having this chicken with this sauce and these vegetables don't get into all that. Just you don't need to put your full menu on the, no. on the RSVP card. And honestly, when you send that out, you might've had those RSVP cards printed three, four months before the wedding. And maybe you didn't know exactly what that dish was going to be. So mm -hmm. just say chicken, say beef, say fish, say vegetarian, give right. the general options unless you feel like you have a really good reason to give a different option. Like maybe it's a special family lasagna recipe. Shout out to Fabian right. who does have that. Yum. But I, you know, I haven't had it and I, I really want to. We postponed this one. So next year I'll have the family Ooh. lasagna. Can't wait. I'll make sure I'm on the list for that one. <laughs> so something like that, of course, you'd want to make a note so people know how special and cool it is. But Otherwise, you can just go really generic, and that way, if something about the menu changes, maybe even there's an issue with the caterer's supplier, or the chef decided, you know what, this is going to be more in season, let's go with this, mm -hmm. you didn't tell people something overly specific. Right. Uh, also, with the RSVPs, write-ins are an issue. Allison, you're going to have opinions. Uh, stress. <laughs> 
but it's so it's so easy to avoid. Yes. So people should know that only the names on the invitation are the people who are invited. They Correct. should know not to ask if they can bring somebody else. They should know not to show up with anybody else or not to RSVP no and show up anyway. Right. I, I say these things and they sound so ridiculous and out there, but they all happen they on do. a pretty regular basis. So you can really get ahead of that by getting as specific as possible with the RSVPs. And this isn't even something that you need to have printed in advance because that would get really complicated. You can write it in. So where you can say how many people are attending, you can write in the number. You can write two if only two people are invited. And then they right. can check yes or no if they're attending. You can also have lines for every single person so they can give their full name, which is helpful for escort cards. Mm -hmm. And that's a good way for them to indicate what meal choice they've made. And you can write those names in yourself if you want to get specific with that. You can also, and I recommend this as a side note, make sure people initial their entree selection so that you yes. know if there's a group of three or four people and they all circle how many things they want, but yeah, but there's no way for you to know, right. Right. Who's picking what. <laughs> and that gets, I, I think that gets the toughest when there's a family with like teenagers and the teenagers mm -hmm. might be at a different table than the parents and you have no clue who ordered what. Right. So just again, it's, it's helpful for you too, to get super specific. One thing we also didn't mention was just going back a little bit to the capacity and who to invite, invite mm -hmm. the attrition thing. So that means, yes. all right, how many people will actually not show up right. from who's invited to who's actually there on the wedding day? That's attrition. Yeah. I would say like, what do you think, Kate? Because I usually think like 10 to 15% is kind of like the nice rule of, fun, rule of thumb to kind of abide by while when you're trying to like crunch numbers for how many people are actually going to show up. Um, what do you think? Does that sound accurate to you? I think it's generally accurate, but there's a lot that comes into play. If you're right. having a wedding on a day of the week that isn't a Saturday, you'll probably have a few less people attending. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of people traveling internationally, especially a lot of extended family, you'll have a significant drop. I mm -hmm. one time was just a ball of stress because I had a bride who had tons of family in Thailand and we knew they weren't going to come, but they had to be invited. So we had a venue with a hundred person capacity, maybe 120, I don't remember anymore. And we had about 300 people invited. Oh, and I yeah. swear it was just And months. you were like praying to the gods, like, please don't everyone show up to this thing. <laughs> it was just months of me like emotionally pooping my pants, like don't let yeah. this happen. But right. sure enough, we were under capacity, we were fine, but it mm -hmm. was definitely stressful for me, even though right. I was I was guaranteed so many times okay they won't all come in from thailand they won't i was worried about it yeah uh, on the other hand i when i've had celebrity weddings or a wedding where people know that celebrities are going to be guests that's when you get very very low attrition rates so maybe you booked a venue and you thought okay we'll get down to 220 because we're inviting 250 Mm -hmm. what if somewhere in the 240s or even 250 shows up i've had that happen so Again, just be really careful with preparing for the worst, like you said, Allison. Yeah. And the it's worst. It's our job. Like, we're wired to prepare for worst case scenario. Yeah. And <laughs> obviously, the worst isn't that everyone loves you and wants to come celebrate at your wedding. Right. From a capacity perspective. The right. Worst. Yeah. And so it's like, give yourself some breathing room. So it's like, if you are shooting for 220 and you're inviting 
250, just like make sure you have room for that worst case scenario, 250, if everybody is, you know, miraculously able to come to your wedding. And go through the list and you'll know best. You will know your crew best. So think about, Mm -hmm. like, you can make notes on, are these people likely to attend? Are they likely to attend? If you think there are maybe, put them down as likely and see what that number comes to. And that's probably a really comfortable number, unless we're dealing with COVID, in which case stuff goes out the window and a lot of people, if we're still in uncertain times, will be declining because they're not comfortable traveling or going to an indoor event or they don't know what to expect. And if you want to get more people to attend during COVID times, you can over communicate and put a lot of information about safety protocols on your website and let them Mm -hmm. know, here's our capacity for our event. Here is, you know, tell them about how you're spacing people out. Tell them about all these other things to help keep them feeling comfortable and then you might get more of those people attending but expect Mm -hmm. that some will just decline that wouldn't normally and you'll also lose some people close to the day because maybe they got exposed or they're not feeling well and that's fine people shouldn't come if they're not feeling well (laughs) encourage them to not come if they're not feeling well so expect you'll lose some people last minute well you wouldn't normally uh one other thing with RCPs and getting those guests to actually confirm things is wrangling the ones that don't respond. Ah, the wrangling. That's like the least, my least favorite thing to do is wrangle. It's, it's very unfun. So if you are a guest, if you're a guest, just keep in mind, you really, really, really need to respond to the couple. And Mm -hmm. with a postal service being, you know, just struggling. Yeah. It's, and I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to insult it because I feel so bad. I mean, it's been better. I will say it's it's improved, but two months ago, it was crap. <laughs> and I mean, it's not its fault. So it's yeah. being gutted. It's being ruined actively. Mm-hmm. But while the Postal Service is struggling, some more invitations than usual, and there will always be some, will get lost in the mail. Some more replies than usual will get lost in the mail. So mm-hmm. even with the most responsive, responsible guest list, just know that you're not going to get every single RSVP when you're supposed to, or maybe at all. So you're going to need to wrangle people. That's mm-hmm. another reason why you want to get those RSVPs in by about four weeks out, because then you have a week or so to connect with everyone who didn't reply and get your final counts in. So you know how many tables you have before you finalize the floral order and send the day of paper goods to print and figure out right. the seating. So all it gives you, stuff. yeah, it gives you more cushion while you're trying to get that sorted out. So you don't feel too stressed and rushed but you one thing you can do to help with this is deputize some people mm-hmm. to wrangle and my advice obviously it varies from family to family and with all the dynamics involved but if there's a mom who can go after people for rcps have her do it because yeah. then you don't need to stress on your wedding day and having a mom call and guilt people puts the fear of God in there. It works every time. <laughs> they will, yes, they will reply. But that's another yeah. great reason to get emails and phone numbers listed. Mm-hmm. So again, you're not scrambling to get all that information together when you need it. Yeah. And sometimes people just forget to like send RSVPs back. Um, so to all the guests out there, if there is a most of the time they'll put a deadline for RSVPs. So like, please, please, please keep that deadline in mind and try to adhere to it. Because if the couple doesn't get your RSVP card back within a certain amount of time, they could very well assume that you're not coming. You know what I mean? And then you show up and you're like, I'm here. And then they're like, well, we thought you weren't coming because we never got your RSVP. You know what I mean? So just try your best. I know like human error and things like that, but just try your best to remember to respond with the RSVP card. 
um, or just communicate to whoever you need to communicate if you're not sure or if you're waiting on like, hey, like I might have a work thing, like I'll let you be able to let you know by this amount of time, like just overly communicate so that way it doesn't look like you just forgot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they will follow up with you. So if you mm -hmm. mailed an RSVP and it got lost, they'll follow up. So it won't be a situation where they think you're not showing up and you think you right. are showing up. You'll hear from them if that's the case. And what I do now, so I used to be uh, a lot more loosey-goosey about this. And I also realized I say loosey-goosey a lot. <laughs> but um, when I get an invitation to a wedding or an invitation to anything really now, I will just make it my goal to reply right away. If I know right. that I can attend or if I know that I can't attend, I don't want to leave that sitting on my counter and accidentally throw it out in the recycling. And I just want to take care of it right away. So I right. write in, woohoo, I'm coming, hooray, like little notes all over it. And I just pop it in the mail. Just do you write hooray on it too? <laughs> I do. Usually I do write excited messages because I think it's really fun to get those. Yeah. And with RSVPs, this can be something that can be handled by someone other than the couple. So you can, again, deputize a parent to receive these and sort these and enter them in that shared spreadsheet. Uh, it's kind of fun to get them. So I think if you have mm -hmm. the bandwidth to receive them yourselves, it's nice. Yeah. It's like, but, yay, this person's coming. And this exactly. person's coming. <laughs> but if you feel stressed about it at all and like you just have too much on your plate, you can have somebody else take over for that. Yeah. And yeah, with with the guest list day of, I think you'll very likely have it all sorted out ideally by about three weeks out. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's two, but that's cutting it close. So at that point you should be good. People who are guests, just please know that it's a numbers game for the couple. So maybe mm -hmm. you think your questions and your requests and your communication are minor, but they're fielding a lot of that from a lot of people. So mm -hmm. if you can avoid going to the couple, especially the week of their wedding, uh, please do. Unless yeah. it's a very fun, happy thing that doesn't require an urgent response. Doesn't to do anything, right? Yes. Or like check the wedding website, you know, like if yes. they're doing, if they're on top of their game and they're being constantly updating their website, there's a very good, you know, chance that whatever question you have might be able to be answered by checking the website. So definitely mm -hmm. check that first. Absolutely. You know, when I send an itinerary, I tell all the VIPs, come to me first. Don't come to the couple. I put my information mm -hmm. on there. I put the couple's deputized people's information on there because I think it's so important that on the week of the wedding, the couple can just focus on what really matters and right. greeting the people coming into town and really celebrating and being in the moment. So right, exactly. don't take them out of the moment if you don't need to. If you must take somebody out of the moment, contact their planner. If you have their planner's information or contact a parent or someone in the wedding party, just anybody but the couple first. And that's nice because even if it ultimately is a question for the couple, someone who's fielding that question can kind of source out what's the best time to get this answer and, right. you know, not stress them out with it. Yeah. So they can take over that communication a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that's, that's the guest list. I know there's, management. yeah, there's, <laughs> there's some stuff we missed, but the main points I think are get really comprehensive contact information, mm -hmm. add more information in your spreadsheet about who's staying where, like in your hotel block, so you can track the bags that you're dropping mm -hmm. off for them or anything like that. Um, you can make sure that you put other people in charge of some of the tougher communication, be consistent across the board with your wedding website, and just make smart decisions from the get-go. If you need to add more people later, great. Just don't over-invite initially. Yeah, because you'll 
you'll be stressed <laughs> and your planner will be stressed. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I can always work with any kind of capacity issues. So if yeah. we need to get creative with our layout or whatever, we can do it, but I don't want the couple to have to compromise or to have right. to be stressed. So mm-hmm. I can certainly deal with whatever comes my way, but I don't want to force you into a cocktail style reception just because we can't fit all of your seated people or your tables would be too packed or whatever. Right. Yeah. If you do have a planner, please utilize them. We've got some really great insight for you. And uh, also utilize them when your venue tells you what the capacity is. And keep in mind that that capacity might not include a dance floor and a band and a sweetheart table. So take that with a grain of salt until you really get into the details. Mm -hmm. Should we do a follow-up? episode about table seating arrangements even even for me that is just not fun and I think it's because it's hard and I know a lot of couples stress out about just Uh trying to figure out where how to go about figuring out where everyone's gonna sit I think it's so hard for me too because when I'm planning I like I like to have control of everything and Mm -hmm. when it comes to the guest list like I can help with mailing and etiquette and all that but I don't know who's going to sit with whom. Right, and all right. I can do is sit back and advise and watch the couple or their family or whoever worry about this. And <laughs> I do what I can to make the process easier, but yeah. it's hard because you it know your hard. people and you need to figure some of that out. So it's, yeah. And I feel like that goes, that goes hand in hand with the guest list is figuring out where everyone's supposed to sit. And I know that like some people don't think, that they need to have seating arrangements. Oh, you do. Have them, have them, have them, have them. It'll make your life so much easier in the long run to just sit down and map out the seating arrangements because you don't want it to be the day of your wedding and you realize you're like, your guests are having a free for all for yeah. who's going to sit where, you know, people will start pulling chairs to other tables because they want to sit with so-and-so and then a table that's supposed to be set for 10 now there's 13 people trying to squeeze out a table because yeah. they all sit together. Things it'll like be that, so. it'll be a big garbage mess if you don't assign seating, and it's one of those things. Big I think <laughs> this is this is actually something we could do. One of the most common questions I get is when people find out I'm a planner, they go, "Oh, what about the bridezillas?" And I say, you know, usually I don't really get those. I don't what? get those either. No, I've never had a bridezilla. I mean, I've, I've had my moments with different personalities yeah. here and there, but no, mostly our clients, especially the kind we yeah. get, are really chill. That mm-hmm. said, my biggest issue that I run into as a professional who needs to get things done and needs to back it up with all my expertise and the reputation of my business um, mm-hmm my biggest issue is when you get this attitude of I'm a cool bride, I'm so chill. And then they won't make a damn decision and they won't communicate consistently. Don't be that person. If your vendors are asking you to make decisions and communicate details on a deadline, there are reasons for that, that you might not know about, but they need Mm -hmm. to get that stuff done. And don't be the person who's so chill that you chill yourself that you into <laughs> that you chill yourself into a really chaotic and stressful day for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just going to be your vendors who are stressed, but it'll probably be the people close to you too who also want to know what's going on. Right. Uh, so you might feel like you're being too intense by communicating really specifically, but what I have found is that the people who do communicate better further in advance are the ones who are happier with how the wedding turns out because 
a lot of the time, the ones who are the chill bride, like they're great and they're sweet, but they get tunnel vision with the wedding and they have so many expectations that they've never communicated. And then when those expectations aren't met because no one knew they they existed and the client didn't think that there was any other way of doing things, um, you know, they can be disappointed. So definitely do communicate. You're not being extra. You're just staying on top of things and investing in the quality of your not even put emphasis at the time. Like it's not a bridezilla situation. It's just a someone who's particular and knows knows what they want situation. But they didn't, but they didn't tell always, you, right? Well, I'm just saying, like when people who aren't in the business think about bridezillas, like it's it's never. It's most of the time it's not that situation. It's just someone who's particular and knows what they want and is communicating that, which we always appreciate because, like you said, it just makes things go so much smoother. Um, when you get to like the actual day of and for you know couples that are listening like it's it's okay to to communicate what you want what you don't want what your expectations are you know because that's just going to make all the vendors jobs a lot easier so don't feel like you're being a bridezilla or a groomzilla or that you're being nitpicky or anything like that like because we rather have all that information up front you know I want to know what your expectations are and I want to (laughs) <laughs> and I want to help set those expectations. So if there is something that I need to manage because something doesn't sound super feasible or realistic, I'd rather know about that earlier on. And I think it just helps everybody feel better and helps everybody do their best job. Exactly. So definitely, if your vendors give you homework, please do your homework. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Is there anything else we wanted to cover for today? Um, I think we pretty much covered everything Amazing. that goes into guest lich management. I bet as soon as we finish, I'll like have five things that I wish I would have said. <laughs> well, I'm feeling really good because we are kind of back in the swing of our mini weddings. So we had yeah. a small backyard wedding on Saturday for 12 yeah. people, including the oh, couple. And wonderful. it was, it was really nice. And the couple mm-hmm. was so sweet and their families were so sweet. And we have two weddings coming up in October and then we have one in November. And it's just nice to see these happening. So I'm, yeah. I'm really glad, you know, with all the challenges the year is presenting with all yeah. like, sometimes the ugliness that has come out, I really am just so happy about every single one of our events and they're all so yeah. different, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's nice that the people that are able to have a wedding this year are, you know, making it work. Cause it's, it's really like a glimmer of just like light and positivity, like like you said, amidst like all the garbage that's happening right now. So thank you people that are getting married. (laughs) Thank you people. Well, thank you people that are getting married safely. So really thank you people who are being responsible, who don't feel Mm -hmm. that you're entitled to a big wedding during a pandemic, who, who understand that their health, that the guest's health and safety is so important. And then making them feel comfortable is so important and that the vendors need to be kept safe too. So thank you people who are, living up to your obligations as a responsible, kind person and who are doing things the right way this year, because of course you can still get married and you can still have a great time and it's just going to look different for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. I guess we will, we will sign off for the day. We will yeah. go enjoy some sunshine. It's so nice. I'm like, maybe, I don't know if I'm, I've already been outside today, so I might be in the house for the rest of the day. I took um, Hoagie to the park already. Oh, <laughs> it was nice. Did he like it? Did he have a good time? He, well, he's very humpy. So we have had to leave the dog park several. Time of year? 
we've had to leave the dog park several times for excessive <laughs> humping and it's, it's not the best. I don't like the humping and apparently it's a That's great hilarious. Pyrenees thing. And I don't know where this comes from because I, I don't even know. I mean, he got it's neutered in eight weeks. It's because it's season. <sighs> it's not uh, even well, a He knows it's thing. puffing season and he's like, I got to get myself a puppy girlfriend or something. Oh, he likes boys. Cold. No, he likes, he humps the <laughs> he boys. He can have a puppy boyfriend too. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's, he's somewhere on the, the Kinsey yeah. scale. We don't That's know. That's so funny. <laughs> but um, I would say like take a video and put it on his Instagram, but I don't know if that's appropriate or not. Well, I always I'd try to stop. by that. <laughs> he knows, he knows the command no humping. Mm-hmm. This is how bad it is. He knows the command no humping, but he chooses not to listen when he doesn't want to. And then we have to leave if I can't redirect him. It's ridiculous. Oh, but like, this is why you can't have nice things, Hoagie. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, I, he's the first boy dog I've ever had. And it's reminding me why I just have always had girl dogs because I hate yeah. the humping. And I hate their weird little lipstick penises. They're just so weird. Like, <laughs> I love this dog. But no, they have, like, stupid, creepy little lipstick penises that pop out. And I hate them. And they're just gross. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, let's just put some pants on them. Did I? <laughs> I should. Yes. Did I tell you about? I think my whole complex about like boy dogs being too humpy comes from this time I was sitting with my friends in high school in my friend's backyard, and he had this big black lab, and mm-hmm. I, this dog was so sweet and so friendly, and he comes up and we're cuddling, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting on the ground, right? He gets up on my shoulders and starts trying to hunt me in the face in front of people, <laughs> and oh it was God. it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's like kind of a funny memory now, but yeah. imagine being this You're awkward. Like mortified. Yes, imagine being this awkward 15-year-old girl who all of a sudden is getting humped in the face by a dog with an audience. <laughs> R.I.P. Oh that dog. <laughs> but Aww. yeah. Oh my God. It was so He's bad. Humping in doggy heaven now. Yeah, really. So on this very dignified note, now right. I know why you're, I get why you're a cat person, Allison. Uh, I don't not like dogs. I just can't have one right now. Well, you can you can come pet my dogs on Sunday when you come visit us on the roof. Oh, are they going to have hats and costumes on? Uh, I don't know that I'm going to bring Ruthie up because everything mm-hmm. makes her fall over. And I think it'll oh. just be too, like, you have to carry her up the stairs to get her to the mm-hmm. room. But Hoagie, uh, he currently has his fall bandana and I might dress uh-huh. him up a little bit more. Oh, give him a little hat. Oh, I just like it when he wears hats. <laughs> He okay. Well, that makes one of you because he hates wearing hats. He tries Aww. to keep them on because he knows it makes me happy, but he looks so sad. He's like, "Damn it, mom! Freaking hats!" <laughs> but he's such a sweet boy. He really like he yeah. knows he's supposed to wear the hat, but he just looks like he's dog crying, like hating life. Yes, <laughs> so funny. Oh, um, so good talking with you. Yeah, where can everybody find us? Oh, I know, I know. Pick me. Yes, the person they, in the front. <laughs> thank you. They can find us at IBWC pod underscore podcast. IBWC underscore podcast. On Instagram. Yes. And itty bitty wedding committee at gmail.com. Yep. And then on we're on pretty much most mainstreaming platforms at this point. Um, so you can always find us on your preferred podcast platform. Um, or your yeah, least we, preferred. Try something different. Get out too. of your comfort zone. Send us an email to our inbox because we like getting emails. Pretty please. Um, But yeah, I think that's it. I think so. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. 
Bye, guys. See Bye. you next time. Why did I say see you? We don't see anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you next time. Oh, God. I'm so great at this. <laughs> <laughs>